Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to TED Talks Ball. I'm excited to have a special guest, a Seahawks expert on this uh, short week before we travel up to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Candace, is it Haggins or Haggins? How do you pronounce your last name? Higgins. Well, thank you for joining me, Candace. I really appreciate it. You can find Candace at CandaceH901 is her Twitter handle. And then also she writes or is a part of Sports Ethos. Uh, you can see that handle down below as well, too. And she does a podcast for them uh, and I'm sure other stuff, too. So please let everybody know where they can find you and what you're up to. Yeah, this is a great. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to be on and talk some ball. But yes, as he said, you can find me out. We cover sports ethos, um, which is a, a growing uh, franchise industry. So we're really excited about what we're doing over there. So please check us out um, at Ethos Seahawks, is specifically our Seattle Seahawks coverage. Right on, right on. Well, I mean, I think a good thing to do before we dive too much into the particulars about this week is just to talk a little bit about the history, the rivalry between our two franchises. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, you know, it's been pretty one-sided for, you know, I said a decade here in this in this banner, but it's really been longer than that. It's really been since Russ arrived, and even I think a little bit before that, we weren't very good for a while before that too. Mostly, I want to say it's been since the Seattle Seahawks joined the NFC West that yeah. they've had a pretty good ownage over the 49ers. And if my memory is correct, we've only won once in Seattle in the last decade, that being uh, week 17 of 2019 season, uh, when we when it was a good one for us. I mean, we did win the, the, uh, the number one overall seed in that one. But uh, otherwise, it's been a bit of a, let's say, a house of horrors for the 49ers at, at uh, you know, Lumen Field, as they call it now. Um, but, um, yeah, if you, why don't you give me your impressions on the 49ers and, and Seahawks rivalry? Yeah, it's been one of the best ones, I would say, over the, over the last decade, for sure. And like I said, it, it has been one-sided, but it's always, it, for some reason, even though the Seahawks, uh, play them so tough, or, and it, and it's, it seems like the Seahawks always get the upper hand, um, you guys are tough out. I gotta be honest. Like, I, the one, the one you did get. Still breaks my heart to this day. The the last play I, I, at the one yard line when y'all won that game is still I still have nightmares about that one myself. Um, but it, it's just really interesting how the NFC dynamic works in general in terms of it just seems like Pete Carroll sort of has Shanahan's number. I really don't understand it. it like we were a bad team last year and still won both those games. Surprise the heck out of me. I gotta be honest. Um, it's just something about I, I know that. Uh, Pete Carroll's familiar with that coaching system, and so maybe that helps. But at the same time, then you've got Pete Carroll, who's been pretty much owned by Sean McVay. And so it's just this endless uh, cycle of, you know, uh, a, a back and forth for sure. But I think it's one of the most classic rivalries of football. And maybe that's just me, maybe being biased. But um, I can't think of too many that top that one for sure, especially given how competitive these two teams have been over the years, especially in recent history. No doubt about it. A big rivalry. I mean, I know for us it has been. Um, you know, I, I know that, like, you know, Seahawks, let, let's be honest, they're one of, one of my – well, they are. They're my most hated team. All right, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just because of the ownage. You, you, you talk about being heartbroken there week 17. I was heartbroken. I think it was week 10 or week 11. At Levi's when uh, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, not Kyle, Chase McLaughlin, uh, missed, shanked that field goal to uh, win the game in overtime, um, you know, and Russ came back and let, let a, 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 you know, a gutsy, you know, comeback win like he's done to us so many times. Um, and so it's kind of funny because you talk about that sort of that NFC West Rochambeau rock, paper, scissors, yeah. where Niner or, you know, Seahawks on the Niners, Niners on the Rams, Rams on the Seahawks. It's changed a little bit this year, it seems like, but, uh, that's definitely been the case. Although I will say like, I've told Rams fans, like, I don't think it is a rival. So I'm glad to hear that you feel like we are because like with the Rams, like we're like, we, we've won, uh, you know, eight out of the last nine against them. Granted, again, the, the one that we lost was a big one in the NFC Championship game. They went on and won the Super Bowl. And a lot of people are like, well, oh, Ted, don't you, you know, wouldn't you trade them all to win that NFC Championship game? 
And, you know, my honest answer is no, I wouldn't. And and it surprises some people because a lot of people think the Niners would have beaten the Bengals in the Super Bowl, but I'm not one of them. Um, you know, when we played the Bengals in Cincinnati last year, we, uh, let's see, the Bengals were missing Logan Wilson, their star middle linebacker, like kind of like your, uh, you know, Bobby Wagner was for you guys or Fred Warner is for us. Right. Uh, he was out when we were in Seattle, and not Seattle, in, in Cincinnati. And then also when we were in Cincinnati, Tr- uh, Trey Hendrickson, their star defensive end, who's a lot like our Nick Bosa, mm-hmm. um, he was out for the entire second half of that game. And we still had to go to overtime. They dropped a pick six. They had two muff punts that, that turned into touchdowns for us that we recovered and got TDs subsequently. Um, there was just a lot of stuff that had to break right our way for us to win that game. And then going into the Super Bowl, not only did they have Logan Wilson and Trey Henderson healthy, but then Jimmy Garoppolo and Trent Williams for us were both playing injured and wouldn't have been healthy for the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I'm not saying we couldn't have beaten the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I'm just saying like, oh, it's not like, oh, we would have gone and we we definitely would have won. I would never yeah. say that. Um, sure. Yeah. So, so I'm glad to hear that you feel like it's a rivalry. Uh, I was, I was worried that, you know, it might be the same thing as like, oh, I tell Ramsons that we don't hate you. We just own you. So I just go back to the Harbaugh Pete Carroll, like back up, like nothing else. I just feel like that was huge in terms of, you know, the, the ride, like that still feeds into the day, even though the dynamic is different in terms of record. Um, there's still a lot of, a lot of hatred there. No yeah. Way. A lot of animosity. <laughs> and, you know, it, it started, uh, you know, in the PAC 12, right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Harbaugh was at Stanford and Pete Carroll was at USC. And so it just naturally transferred over to the Niners and the Seahawks as they, as they made their way into the ranks of the NFL. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, and, and, you know, as good as our Harbaugh teams were, we went to three NFC championships in a row and a Super Bowl during that three year period. Um, We, I don't think we ever swept you guys during that time frame. So uh, pretty amazing that, that, that even in our best years there, we couldn't. So that'll be an interesting storyline for this season for this game to yeah. see if, if uh, you know, we obviously we got the first half of the sweep week two when Trey Lance got injured. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can get that, uh, you know, here on Thursday. Um, and I don't know if we want to jump ahead to that now or, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to cover before that. But, um, you know, ultimately I would just say that, it's going to be a good game, I think. I think a lot of people think that because we're playing well and and I think we do have a, definitely a better team this season. Um, but, you know, the matchup is rough. The location is rough. Pete Carroll, you mentioned, uh, seems to own Kyle. Um, like I said, we, we managed to get that week two win. But there were a lot, you know, Kenneth Walker wasn't playing for you guys then. Um, you know, I'd say Geno Smith hadn't really come into his own. He's really playing really good football as far as I can tell. And, um, you know, there might be some other factors that I'm, that I'm missing. I think, I think you guys weren't prepared for Jimmy G either. That was a huge factor. I'd say that was one. And then the second factor was it wasn't until after that loss that they really began to open up the playbook. Cause the first two weeks they were, you know, playing, I'd say maybe a fourth of the playbook that they are right now. They just, it wasn't as much that they didn't trust Gino as just, just with two rookie tackles on the bookends, they weren't really willing to sling it a lot uh, down the field. So it made their offense one-dimensional, one which is interesting because we might be full circle here, but uh, it, it made the offense very one-dimensional in terms of how much they were going to force the run, and they did these weird, quirky, quirky plays that I think just cost them. Um, it, the, the bottom line, the, the bottom uh, score could have been better in that game that I think it ultimately was, but I will say the biggest impact I feel like was – them not having the playbook really, um, or not using it to their advantage. Yeah, I'll tell you. You talked about the two uh, bookend tackles that you guys drafted, and you, and and the Seahawks drafted a guard right in twenty twenty two as well. Um, Lewis, is, you know, you're talking about Damian Lewis. Yeah, yeah. Here, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I just remember being very jealous uh, of the Seattle Seahawks because I feel like that's one area that the Niners 
typically, you know, have ignored somewhat his offensive line. I mean, we, we drafted Aaron Banks in 2021, but by the 2022 draft, uh, we didn't know that he was going to be playing really well, right, at that point. And so, uh, and, and Mike McGlinchey, our right tackle, is always an issue. Um, he's a good run blocker, but he's just not a good pass blocker. And so anytime somebody, you know, drafts a, a tackle high, I get jealous. I'm just like, oh, I just wish the Niners would do something to, to address that, that, that piece of our, of our offensive line center is another area that, that I've really wanted us to draft for a long time as well too. And so we'll see, we'll see if they start to listen or pick up a free agent or something like that. I don't know, but, uh, that, that's uh, that's been a frustration of mine, and I was I thought the Seattle Seahawks did a really good job with that, and then obviously they did a really good job with Tariq Woolen uh, and Kenneth Walker, uh, two amazing rookies that, that you guys drafted. I, at the time, I didn't know to be so worried about them, but now they're really high on my radar of Seahawks that I'm worried about this. There's a, assuming that Kenneth Walker can go, which I am assuming that. Yeah, it is a question. I think it's a question. He was questionable going into the last game, so I'm, I'm a little optimistic that we might see him. Um, but I, I guess we can go ahead and talk about some of these injuries because I think there's a lot to discuss on both ends, on both sides of the ball um, in that regard. So I, if we can get at least Ken Walker or DJ Dallas back, because DJ Dallas is serviceable, um, but they just hadn't been – I mean, when you're running your third-string guys and you're starting him at a running back, that's pretty much – no, no go. Now they did pick up Wayne Gallman. They did not do anything with uh last week, probably because of you know got got to get acquainted with the uh you know playbook and all of that. I'm curious to see if they're what that might look like if they're gonna work him in or any of that. But that's an X factor too, something to be aware of. If Ken if if Kenneth Walker can't go, can Wayne Gallman off the couch give you anything? I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, Gallman's a good back. Um, you know, he was on the Niners. I think it was twenty twenty one before the season. Yeah. yeah, we we had him in the off season last year, I think. And I I wanted him over uh, Hasty, who we ended up keeping, because I felt like Gallman can do it all. He can catch. He can block. He's not gonna like run by many people anymore. Um, but he he he's he's very. Um, you know, uh, serviceable. He's, he's very well-rounded as a back. He can do it all. And so um, that, that would be somebody, I mean, like I said, it's not going to keep you up at night, but a uh, very, very good person to have, uh, you know, off the street. That's a good signing, I think. Yeah, for sure. And all the other, other key injuries that I, I think will be swing factors in this game are Al Woods and Shelby Harris, who are the two best defensive tackles for the Seahawks. Um, their presence is critical. I don't, I don't think they have a chance of stopping the run, which we all know the 49ers, that's pretty much your meat and potatoes. Uh, they don't have a chance without at least one of those guys, but I'd say they you really kind of want both in order considering how vast of a running attack that you guys have. Um, because as Al was as great as he is, he can only plays so many snaps. Um, he's older, he's like 35 years old. So he's going to give you excellent, you know, excellent defense when he's in, but if he's only in like 20 snaps, you know, you kind of need Shelby Harris. That's why I say both of them really is, is what you want. But yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, those are some of the big question marks I had regarding Hawks injuries was Al Woods, Shelby Harris, Kenneth Walker. Um, yeah, I mean, I, my understanding, I didn't get to watch the uh, Panthers game, unfortunately, but my understanding is that as soon as Al Woods went out, that's when the Panthers were just kind of able to run it well after that. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, we ran the ball pretty well against the Bucks. However... Vita Vea went down really early in that game, and he's arguably one of the best defensive tackles in football. Um, and uh, I was really worried about him and Akeem Hicks uh, in the center of, of that D-line. Uh, and Akeem Hicks, I think we were able to tire him out a little bit. Uh, it sounds sort of similar to, to Al Woods. You know, yeah. you can only have him in for so long. And I think we were able to get him moving side to side quite a bit to tire him out some. But uh, I think if Vita Vea had been in, we wouldn't have run the ball nearly as well. I don't think we would have thrown the ball as well either. So, um, 
you know, that's some things to talk about. I mean, I guess while I'm talking about it, maybe I'll just fly that banner uh, to talk about our game uh, where we beat the Bucks, and it looks very impressive with a 35 to seven score. Um, but you know, I will say that um, there there was there's some context behind that. Um, for starters, uh, the Bucks were missing both of their starting safeties. So one of those is a guy named Mike Edwards, our strong safety. Uh, I'll say, you know, I'll just claim a little bit of ignorance. I don't know a ton about him, but I do know Antoine Winfield Jr. is a star, is a bona fide star safety. So that's a huge loss to them. Uh, They were also missing uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, who's a real solid corner. Uh, They saw Jamal Dean and and, um, I'm blanking on the other corner's name. But uh, they still have both their outside starting corners. But then their nickel corner got injured early. Vita Vea got injured early. Uh, so that Bucks defense that, you know, on paper looks like a 10-ish in the league defense. Yeah. What, what we saw at Levi's on Sunday what was a pale comparison of that. It was just not, not anywhere close to that kind of a level of, of defense. And then, you know, you compound their shorthanded on defense. And you compound that with uh, they made some really critical mistakes in the game as far as uh, there was a big completion to Mike Evans for 75 or 80 yard touchdown called back due to um, Donovan Smith, their left tackle uh, held. uh, I think it was Jordan Willis, our defensive end. And that was something I had called out prior to the game was that, you know, I I felt like they were missing, um, uh, they were they were missing one tackle and the tackle that they had left. Oh, the, uh, like oh, they're missing Tristan Wirfs, um, not just some tackle, right? I mean, arguably one of the best right tackles in the game. Him and Lane Johnson from the Eagles, you could probably say, are the two best right tackles in the game. Yeah, and and then you got this other guy on the, on the other side, Donovan Smith, who leads the league in holding calls. Well, wouldn't you know, he he comes up with this hold that pulls back this monster you know, TD catch to Mike Evans. And then uh, another big mistake that the Bucks made was uh, Brock Purdy threw an interception to one of their defensive ends. Uh, well, I guess in a 3-4, you call him an outside linebacker. But basically, he lines up on the, on the end of the D-line and, and pass rushes. And um, Brock Purdy threw him an interception, and they f- threw a flag against the defender who was lined up over Juwan Jennings because Juwan kind of fell down and they just assumed he had been thrown down by the defender, but it really is like he tripped. And so it wasn't even a good call, let alone, you know, it was really lucky that we got it called back. And and that was right before the end of the half. It was about 12 seconds left in the half. And instead of like the Bucks getting the ball, maybe they get a field goal. I mean, I could say maybe they get a touchdown, but it was a long way to drive for a touchdown. But then, we it was not too far from midfield and we scored a touchdown from there and so it was like a you know anywhere between a seven to ten point swing in the game on that one penalty um and so and there were there were some other really big bucks penalties too but none as graphic as those two where you're talking like seven to 17 point um uh turnaround in in score so you know and then as those things happen you know, the game goes differently, right? If it's a closer game, everybody plays differently. So it very well could have been a much closer game than, than what it looked like uh, at the end. So I guess I'm really happy that we beat Brady and the Bucks, but I'm, it's not as big of a statement as you might think looking at just from looking at the score. Yeah. Preseason that will look incredible. Like if you look at that matchup and say a 49ers win and that that's statement game for sure. But yeah, I agree with you just because I think you're right about the secondary being so banged up, but also like that, that offense has struggled all year. Um, Tom Brady has struggled to put up points all year and uh, it's kind of hard to measure. You guys have an incredible defense. And so they definitely weren't going to be able to do much against, against the 49ers defense. But I just think in terms of, you know, measuring on both sides, there's a little bit of a caveat that's there. Now, I, I think you guys would have won that regardless. That that was my bet going into the game. I just think you guys have more. Your roster is much more robust. And injuries are not. I just think you guys are a better team. But uh, – 
Yeah, I agree. It could have been closer, and I'm not sure that it's just this huge, you know, dominating wins once you give it the the context that it does deserve. Yeah, I mean, my my prediction for the game was 23 to 12, and I think it very well could have looked something a lot more like that. Yep. Uh, you know, if a few things broke their way and didn't break our way, uh, even even just that one TD catch to Christian McCaffrey where he did this like best impression of Neo from the Matrix, dodging bullets, you know, this crazy toe tap swag, toe drag swag to, to you know, and they, they like reviewed it about 15 times, it seemed like, to finally get it right. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that very well easily could have gone another direction too, which now you're talking 17 to 24 point difference. I mean, that's, that's starting to get to be where, you know, uh, where it could have could have changed the game for sure. No doubt about it. But I, I felt like we've been talking to this, talking about this game too long not to be talking about the injuries that you guys came out of this game with, and especially Debo Samuel, which was a big one. And I don't know if you're ready to shift that, but that's one of the top things on on my mind at least when I'm thinking about uh, this matchup. Because going into it, I was thinking Debo's gonna kill us. Um, <laughs> but but it it looks like now I'm I'm really glad it sounds like he's avoided serious injury. Mm-hmm. On that. Um, so what did you say? MCL sprain is what they announced it was. And- MCL and high ankle sprain combined. So, right. yeah. So um, it's pretty wild. I've never heard of of spraining your MCL, your knee, and your ankle in the same injury. Um, it's usually one joint or the other that typically gets injured. But the way he got rolled up, you can kind of see how like one got. The ankle got twisted, and he kind of fell back on his knee at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was crazy because they, they carted him off the field, and the whole team came out and, you know, was shaking his hand. Trent Williams was, was looking visibly upset. And so, um, you know, we all thought the worst. Anytime you see a cart, you just assume ACL or uh, broke or, – or when I heard it was an ankle – um, not long after halftime or around halftime, they said, oh, it's an ankle. But then they still didn't say it wasn't severe at that time. I'm thinking, well, this could be just like Trey Lance. He could have a busted ankle and torn ligaments, you know, or 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 even it could be a really bad high ankle sprain like what Cooper Cup got where you got to get the tightrope surgery and you're out six to eight weeks or even the kind of garden variety uh, high ankle sprain, which is like four to six weeks typically. Yeah. And it seems like he avoided all that from everything I'm hearing. They're saying he could be back in three-ish weeks, which would be around either the Raiders game uh, on New Year's Day or, you know, uh, the Cardinals game is the next uh, Sunday after that. I guess it would be the 8th. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um but he definitely, Debo Samuel, will not be playing Thursday night. Right. Uh, Kevin Givens, um, now they're saying MCL sprain, and they're saying a few weeks. And, and this is strange to me, too, because all, we've had several MCLs this season. I mean, several. We've had a ton of MCLs, the Niners have. And they've all been six to eight weeks, most of them closer to eight weeks. Uh, Jordan Willis had one. He was out, I think, eight weeks. You guys have Elijah Mitchell had one. He was out eight weeks, seven or eight weeks. Yeah. Then he came back for a couple or three games. And he got another MCL on the other side. So he's had two MCLs in the same season. Colton McKivitz, our, our backup left tackle, who came in for Trent Williams when he had his high ankle sprain. Uh, Colt McKivitz sprained his MCL against the Rams. Uh, and I feel like there's maybe one more, but there's that's like five or six. One guy twice, you know, Elijah Mitchell doubling up for us. Yeah. Um, so a lot of MCLs. We had a lot of high ankle sprains in 2020 uh, when we led the league in injuries. And this year it feels like our, our, our high ankle sprain this year is the MCL sprain. Um, but for whatever reason they're saying Kevin Givens doesn't sound quite so serious. So maybe he's more like two to four weeks instead of uh, six to eight. Um, so fingers crossed there. Yeah. Um, what were the other ones? Um, uh, ex Seahawk, ex previously ex Niner, Kerry Hyder uh, got a lateral ankle sprain or low ankle sprain. Uh, they're saying he, he should play this Thursday. So he's the only injury from the Bucks game that I have any even hope will play of our of our injuries. 
But the only one uh, of the knock on wood, let's hope this is the case. But to my understanding, the only serious injury uh, from the Bucks game or season ending was Dante Johnson, who is, uh, if you're not familiar, he's 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 one of these Niner boomerangs who we like cut him every year and every year he comes back. Uh, There's another guy. Jordan Matthews, who was a wide receiver and is bulked up to be a tight end, and now Josh Johnson, our backup QB. These three guys have been have been added and cut by the Niners. I want to say like six, seven, eight times each. So between the three of them, somewhere over twenty times for the three of these guys. Yeah, and Josh Johnson all the way back to you know twenty fourteen. I want to say was the first yeah. time. So we're going way way back. Um, yeah. So so. So that's that's pretty much the injury update from the Bucks game. I think it's important to note also an injury from the Dolphins game uh, where uh, Hassan Ridgeway tore his pec, and uh, so so between he and Kerry, uh, Kevin Givens, that's two defensive tackles that we lost, and they're both starters, or, or at least they were with. With uh, Eric Armstead and, and Javon Kinlaw being out, they've been starting a lot for us. So the only good news was we got Eric Armstead back for the Dolphins game. He played kind of limited snaps, and then obviously played full snaps against the Bucks, and he's playing great. Right. But um, other than him, I think we have Ty McGill, who we picked up from the um, Vikings. Uh, he played well during preseason. Uh, we, we scrimmaged against them in in, in Minnesota. And we played them in a preseason game, and he flashed against us and some other teams that I saw uh, in this preseason. But we are very, very thin with uh, true defensive. That sounds like both of our teams are at at defensive tackle. Um, We're we're very deep at defensive end. Uh, We we have Bosa, we have Ebucam, we have uh, or Ebucom, we have. Charles Amenahu, those are all very good players. Drake Jackson's a real good young ascending player. Kerry Hyder, you know, he's good. He's a, he's a good, versatile kind of elephant guy. He can kind of play inside, outside. Uh, and Jordan Willis also is is a kind of versatile player. But when you're talking about like a real run-stuffing, load-to-move defensive tackle, like we don't have one right now on, on our roster. So. And I, I wish that made me feel better. I wish that I could look at our injury report and say that that's something that we could take advantage of. But our running back room is absolutely decimated. So, of course, Rashad Penny has been out for the year. Um, I think I think him and, and Kenneth Walker would have been a great one-two punch. They really didn't get the chance to be. Of course, Kenneth Walker took over that position and, and was doing a great job. But then he's down. Uh, his backup, B.J. Dallas, also down. And we just got back Travis Homer in uh in our, the game before last, we were down even him. Like he was out for that game. And so we were playing the practice squad, the Tony Jones Jr. guy, and the, they had a few guys, you know, running backs off, off of the practice squad. But uh, I think they really need to – I hope that they can play Gallman in the rotation at some point. I know he's he's pretty serviceable. I think he, he may or may not even be an upgrade from DJ Dallas. Um, that may be something that could, could be beneficial. But you really hope if you – as I, I hope – you guys probably don't hope, but I hope that Kenneth Walker can return because I think he can be a huge factor to take advantage of that. Um, but if not, uh, it, we just, I guess, evened out. Defensive tackles are, are really thin on our side as well. No doubt about it. And, and no, I hope I, I don't ever root for injuries. Even like I said earlier, the Seahawks are my most hated team. Like, I never root for injuries even for the Seahawks. I, I just hope he's back, you know, next week. Right, that's fine. You know, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> so just one, one more week. Make sure don't don't risk it. Make sure make sure he's okay before you bring him back. Yeah. So, no, yeah, I, that's fine. That's I feel fine. confident though. I'm pretty optimistic. He was questionable for the last game, and so it's sort of a game time decision that gives me some optimism that he might come back. Because um, it, it'll be a swing factor for the Seahawks that they've got to have a run game. I mean, it's such a huge part of Pete Carroll's philosophy, and right now he's pretty much. Uh, decimated, so mm-hmm. but uh, it's a it's a quick turnaround game too. So on both sides of the ball, there there's a lot. There's not a lot that can happen, I guess, in this short time period. Sure, and and even if you guys are a little bit, uh, you know, hurting on running back. I mean, I do think I think Kenneth Walker will play just because. He didn't have an ankle sprain, right? He had like an ankle compression or something like that. Like, like he like 
They said it was jammed. Um, jammed. Yeah, jammed ankle. Exactly. So, I, 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 well, I guess if it wasn't a short week, if we were playing Sunday, I would bet that Kenneth Walker was playing. Thursday, maybe it's more of a coin flip, and we'll see. So, uh, you know, good luck to him there. We'll see. Um, as far as running back goes for the Niners, you know, obviously Debo is kind of a running back for us, so that will hurt missing him. Uh, otherwise, we're doing pretty well at that position. You know, the 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 trade for Christian McCaffrey was a big pickup for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a as a Niner fan, and and I'm a, definitely a, a Shanna fan. I, I'm a big. Some Niner fans don't really like Kyle, and uh, I'm not one of those people. I, I really think you know he does great stuff. Uh, people get mad because he leans on the defense and he's supposed to be this offensive wizard, but I'm like, Hey, however we get wins, uh, that's fine with me. Um, but picking up McCaffrey has really helped our offense. I think we were something like 21st in DVOA when we got him and we're down to like fourth. And then I think third now after this last game for, uh, offensive DVOA. So our offense has really taken off with McCaffrey, but you know, most of that time we did have Debo. So that, that will hurt us some. Uh, then we have a, a, an undrafted free agent running back named Jordan Mason, who is from Georgia Tech. Uh, he's been outstanding for us, very high yards per carry. Some of that is because we run McCaffrey in the first half and then bring Mason in when the defense is tired to kind of pound him and bludgeon him. Um, but uh, ultimately, I'd like to see more of him, especially running up the middle. I think he's more effective than McCaffrey running up the middle. And then obviously we have Kyle Juszczyk, who is our uh, fullback. And a great blocker, decent short yardage runner, but, you know, great blocker and really great receiving out of the backfield. He's kind of like a tight end playing fullback. Right. Um, so, so, so we're pretty good at that position. But, you know, I would say um, where the Seahawks have an advantage would be uh, at wide receiver with uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um there's been a lot of debate of who's better between Debo and DK, uh, but Debo's out, so you know, no debate this week. And and and, and DK is more of a pure wide receiver anyway. And yeah, then I, 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 I saw a stat that Tyler Lockett had six games in a row with a with a TD catch, which is leading the NFL. I think the next highest is four or three games in a row. So I'm hoping we can break that streak, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyler get uh, a TD. Our defense is good, but, um, you know, we can be beat. Um, you know, uh, Talano Hufanga is our strong safety. He um, he is a little bit of a ball hawk in a good way. You know, he's got a four or five interceptions, but he also there's the bad way where he can end up getting burned. He can, uh, you know, get fooled. And, and leave guys a little bit wide open. Not, I mean, a, an example of that is Trayvon Diggs for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it's not nearly so feast or famine with Hufanga, but you can sort of see the comparison, I think. Yeah, that, um, that first game. So, yeah, I, I definitely remember Hufanga. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's good. He's a good player. Um, but, like, our, um, you know, Charvarius Ward is a really good cornerback that we got as a free agent from the Chiefs. Really happy with him. They're saying he's the best tackling corner in the NFL. I, I definitely believe that. He's a good coverage guy, too. He, he he did get burned by Tyreek Hill in the Dolphins game, and there was a big pass against him in the Chiefs game, but those are the exception. Uh, on the other side, uh, Diamador Lenore has, has improved, but – Ultimately, I think he's in there more for his run-stuffing, uh, tackling ability. I don't think he's a great coverage guy, so I do think your receivers might do well against against Lenore. Um, and then, I guess for the Seahawks, a concern for me would be the tight end group. Like you guys don't have a Kittle in there, but you've got three really solid tight ends with Disley and Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant, who came over in the Russ trade, right? Yep. Where like they can all catch and they can all block, and so like maybe no Kittle, like who's just elite at both, but boy, to have three that are solid, it gives you so much versatility with formations and getting those guys on linebackers and whatnot. I think that's a big advantage. Exactly, and I'll say an underrated part of the offense that's emerged as of late is really been the emergence of a third wide receiver who's who's in in the past few games I think almost replaced sort of that three tight end set. Marquise Goodwin has been an excellent third wide receiver for us. 
Um, I know he's had sort of catch issues in the past. I know he was on you guys' team for the longest, but he has been great for us. And for the Seahawks, they, it's been a long time since there's been a, a legitimate third wide receiver. It's been DK, there's been Tyler for some time now. But when you talk about who else, it's really been nobody else. But Marquis Goodwin has stepped up on some big plays, some big uh, first down, the third down conversions. Um, even when DK went out, he kind of took over that game, had a couple of touchdowns, and he's just really been that stabilizer where if you manage to take away DK and Tyler Lockett, he's been the other threat along with the tight ends who are available as well. Wow. And he's really fast. I mean, that's the one thing I remember about Marquise Goodwin. He is an Olympic sprinter, uh, world-class speed. Um, and it sounds like he's playing some good football because sometimes there's guys where you're like, oh, they've got track speed but they're trying to be a football player. And that's how I would have classified him when he was with the Niners. It sounds like he he's playing more like a football player who just happens to have track speed now, which yeah. is cool for you guys. Uh, and probably not a great sign for us uh, because if he's playing in the, in the slot, then he'll probably have Jimmy Ward uh, locked up against him. And Jimmy Ward's a great cover nickel corner. You know, he, he's a safety, but you know, he's been playing some nickel for us recently. Uh, because the guy we have playing free safety can't really take his position at the nickel. Uh, I think Jimmy Ward would be a better free safety than Tashawn Gibson, but overall, this is, I think, the best iteration of our defense the way it is now. But, like, you know, if, if he's trying to keep up with Marquise Goodwin on a crosser or a really, you know, double move or a deep ball, I, yeah. that scares me. And another thing that scares me, too, is just, like, what I've noticed this season is every X Niner we've played has torched us. Whether it was like Dante Pettis got the big TD uh, for for the Bears, and uh, I'm trying to think of who else. There, there were at least two or three uh, players that just absolutely cooked us uh, as X Niners, and so it, <laughs> that's that's a concern for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think he, he might want a revenge game, but it'll be. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize that because it's really kind of been for the offense either the utilization of Godwin and or the three tight end sets. So I'm curious to see kind of what they lean on in this case. Oh, I think when they had more, I really think the difference was when they had more of a run game, they were able to utilize the three set tight ends a lot more. It just doesn't work as much as the other team has no belief whatsoever. You know, you're not going to run the ball, um, just not as effective. So I, that's where I think you've seen the emergence of Godwin and. Uh, his catch ability, which it was was a question. I looked coming in, I was like, "Well, this guy can't catch. <laughs> like, he's super fast." But uh, a lot of people didn't even think he'd make the roster. I did because I, I knew where the third tight end, I mean, the third wide receiver slot was in terms of depth. But uh, I've been really impressed with him, given that we've had to rely on that passing game so much more than the run game as of late. Oh, man. Another thing to worry about. Thanks, Candace. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so Silverado Kev, as a content creator here for the Niners, he's just tapping out to work. He said, good afternoon, Ted and Candace. Thanks yeah. for joining us, Kev. We appreciate it. Uh, and he said, Jimmy, my guy, but he got smoked by DeAndre Carter. Not looking, not locking up speed guys. Yeah, no. Now, to be fair, though, you know, DeAndre Carter was, that was the Chargers game. And uh, I think wasn't Jimmy Ward still playing with a club on his hand, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, and then he, he, he was just back in his first action of the entire season, maybe a game before that against the Chiefs. And so he was still working himself into game shape and only playing one handed. So, I mean, and you could call these excuses or I call them facts. Right. But ultimately, they're, they're it's context it's things to consider. Uh, it's background info behind the stats. Um, but yeah, I still, yeah, I'm, any really speedy slot receiver scares me against Jimmy Ward. I, I like him much better against tight ends or bigger possession type receivers. I think that's where he's going to really shine for us in, in, uh, in coverage. And then uh, he said, Hell, a club got to do with your feet and speed, Ted. <laughs> well, that's true. But, I mean, it just you get to jam somebody at the line of scrimmage, yeah. and if you only have one hand, you can't really slow them down as much. But yeah, ultimately, heard. ultimately, yeah, it's it's the foot speed that scares me on Jimmy Ward probably more yeah. than anything. You know? Yeah, and like I said, game shape, conditioning, you know, 
tackling obviously matters <laughs> a lot if you don't got one hand. Uh, I think I'm with you on that one, Ted. Uh, I think I think that first game, it, it, it I may take it with a grain of salt. We'll just say that grain of salt. Yeah. But yeah. I think it'll be a t- it'll be a challenging matchup for him though. But that's for sure. And I don't expect Goodwin to be the the marquee player or anything in this game. But he's just you know he's just sort of has those big moments is what it's been like. But even if he just stretches the D and opens it up for DK and Lockett uh, more underneath, that's that's really valuable too, just to get the safeties you know backpedaling and out of the picture. That's uh, all. That's all valuable stuff, no doubt about it. And he said, I'm just clowning, but yeah, he was just getting back. Yeah. Now, and so I think, you know, I think we can both be right on that. I think concern, maybe not as big a concern as it looked like against the Chargers, but yeah, it's something to be a little worried about, especially with that X Niner factor. I'm still trying to remember who the other one was. Dante Pettis cooked us and somebody else, maybe it was an Atlanta Falcon or Carolina, maybe it was in the Panthers game. I think there was an X Niner. Anyway, if anyone thinks of it, just chat. I'm not going to take time to look it up. I'm bad enough at doing this stuff, <laughs> distracting myself further. Um, what about, um, you know, should we talk a little bit about um, Nuosu? We we're talking yeah. about the Chargers. He came from the Chargers, and yeah. he's he's been playing pretty well for, for the Seahawks. I was saying that I thought, the Chargers were probably missing Nuosu this year with Joey Bosa being out for an extended period of time. Uh, you know, they obviously still have Khalil Mack, but it's nice to have two bookends on those DNs. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about how he's been playing for the Seahawks this season. He's been great. He's been one of the better free agent pickups, I would say, for the Seahawks in a long time. I mean, right now he's got nine sacks. Um, and, and I know for Niners fans it does not sound like a lot, but Seahawks has not had a ton of, like, sack getters like they don't have a Nick Bose or anything like that so Duosu has been really one of the best things they've had in years I'd say I mean even Clowney as disruptive as he was and as big of a factor as he was particularly against the 49ers you know outside of that he he would he had pressure but just wasn't able to to, to get sacks for this team and really be that he's a threat but um, I'd say that the Seahawks have been missing that even since Clowney's left. It's just not been a guy who's been able to step up. They've got Daryl Taylor on the opposite end. He's another edge player. Um, he had a pretty good sophomore season last year with 6.5 sacks, but he's pretty inconsistent, I feel like. And so I don't think this defense would be any – I mean, they, they've struggled on the run, but I don't think they would have any pressure or anything. Nwosu's been the guy um, for this team, and – I think he's been a little a little more quiet as of late, but that's because he's been attracting more attention because teams have figured out, you know, double Nuosu and somebody else has got to step up. And who else steps up has been inconsistent from game to game, I feel like. But um, he's an absolute X factor because he just plays. He's such he's so good all around. He is able to, to contribute on the run, but he's even when he's not, uh, you know, getting the sack, he's able to provide pressure. Um, he's just – he's got – Solid technique, I feel like, and, and great great speed off the edge. Um, he's still young, which I think is really exciting, and I think that's what makes me the most excited about the, about this particular free agent signing is in the past, Seahawks have gotten guys who are kind of like over their prime, right, like just kind of picking up dudes, and they can give you a little bit, but nobody can give you anything great. But because he's he was 25 at the time of signing, I'm not sure if he's 26 yet or not. I think he probably is. But they signed him on a two-year deal, and hopefully they extend that because I think he's a feature piece for this team going forward. Um, I know they're in a rebuild season, but you kind of need a guy like that who is not super young. He has some experience, but also he's got a great ceiling ahead of him too. Um, this is his first opportunity being able to start. Right When he was with the Chargers, he was a rotational piece. And like you said, I'm sure they're missing him now because they certainly need a rotational piece now. But he was a guy who – you didn't know if he was going to be able to step up, you know, go to that next level if you gave him the starter reps. But he's shown that he's absolutely capable capable of being that. No doubt. And, yeah, seven sacks sounds a lot for a season. And we're not even – you know, we still got four or five games left here. So, um, yeah, no, that, that's pretty impressive. I mean, especially like you – yeah, you say Bosa, fine. Yeah, Bosa's, what, he 14 and a half or something, mm-hmm. which is a lot. That's a ton. But then you look at the rest of our D-line, I don't think there's a guy who has five on the rest of our D-line. So 
Um, nine, nine sounds good. I'd take that. I'd take nine on our D line anytime. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't sell him short at all. Um, what else here? Uh, let's take a look at the comments real quick. Uh, Kev was saying we got to make them one dimensional and rattle Gino early and often. Yeah, that is a key. It's just tough when, you know, um, teams know that all, not all they have to do, but they, they're, I'm sure they'll double Bosa quite a bit. And then, like I said, there's not really many other people on the line to fear. The one thing is, is that, um, you know, we did get Eric Armstead back and he makes it a lot more difficult to double Bosa because he commands a lot of double teams himself. So that, that should help. Um, you know, maybe Tom and uh, Amanda who go and 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 Amena who can play in the middle, and so can Hyder, and so can uh, Willis. They can all play a, sort of like a NASCAR defensive tackle, uh, pass rushing defensive tackle role. Um, but it, yeah, I don't think it'll be that easy to to rattle Gino because of you know I think the Seattle Seahawks offensive line is pretty good with these young rookies they have uh, and some good uh, you know starters in the middle. I, Maybe center is center a little bit of a weak spot for Seattle's center, offensive huge. line. Center is a huge weak spot for this team, and that's no doubt about it. I think Austin Blythe is one of the worst centers in the league, according to PFF. I think he's ranked like thirty-two or something like that. It's not good, um, and he but he too is inconsistent. So it just depends on the matchup for him. There are some games where he can play really well for you, and then there are some games where he can just absolutely get. Pancakes, and I say the same about Gabe Jackson. Um, Gabe Jackson was atrocious in that first month in that first matchup against you guys. It was by far his worst game of the season, um, both from a pass rush perspective and from a run blocking perspective. Now, here's what I'll say about Gino and rattling him. Gino has great pocket presence and, and it's really calm. So I don't think that you can get pressure on Gino and not rattle Gino, if that makes sense, because he seems to just have this kind of calming presence about him, which is, I think, his poise has been one of the most surprising things about him this season. And I was pretty high on, on Gino compared to everybody else um, with him starting and leading this team, but he's got good poise. My The concern I have as a Seahawks fan is more to can you rattle the tackles, I think, more than anything else. Uh, they seem like if you can get pressure on them and, and get them one-dimensional um, they're rookies, right? So the tackles, and they did not do well in that first 49er matchup. The offensive line was just awful. Um, and so while they've got an excellent future moving ahead of them, you have seen a little bit of a regression, I think, from both of the rookie tackles because they're used to obviously playing 10 games. I think it's a little bit of an over-exaggeration to say that they have hit a rookie wall. I, I wouldn't say that. But you just have seen some decline. I think you can see some of the wear and tear on them. They're they're they, they don't have the experience. And so that will be a weak point for our team. And that's why I'm really hoping that they get Ken Walker because um, you've got Found to, it. Uh, yeah, you've got to be able to, to get some balance. Gino's been his absolute best when they had an effective run game and he was able to cook because Gino has actually been effectively been able to cook. Um, some, looks like much better than Russ. Um, he, he's been able to <laughs> His best. He's been able to um, have poise. To, uh, to he has had games where I say he put the put the team on his shoulders. So it's not to say that he's not capable of doing that sort of thing. But I just think it's a lot to ask for any quarterback to have like you know your starting running back have twenty nine yards like they did against the Panthers and expect the quarterback to really be able to do anything. You know. So you brought up Russ. Um, yeah. Is that the worst trade in NFL history or like it, up there with the Herschel Walker trade? Of, looking like it, it, it really is. A, it Because, I mean, right now we're slated to get the number two overall pick. So, yeah. Man, it sucks yeah. to have to root for Russ, man. Yeah. I hate rooting for him. And, you know, I have to root for him to, like, <laughs> try and keep you guys from getting that top five. I mean, I was – last I heard was top five. That was bad enough. Now it's top two pick? It's top three pretty much. It's, it's oh, pretty That's right. They just lost again to the Chiefs. Well, yep. At least they made that a game of that one. But yeah, then Ruff went out. So, you know, he yeah. got that concussion. And so we've uh, been monitoring that closely. Right now we're number two. Depends on what Chicago does. Uh, we could go back to number three. But I'm – I'm like 95% confident that's a top three pick. 
Well, nobody's catching the Texans at least for that number one overall. <laughs> I thought the Houston Texans were gonna, yeah, but they were gonna pull up, pull out a Dallas win, and I was, well, I was into that game. <laughs> okay, oh, it's a number yeah. one in play, but no. Oh man, I can't even imagine. I would be apoplectic. I'd be like, no, I can't go on. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's it's all right. We got the number two pick. I'm I'm good. Um, but it's <sighs> it's been really interesting. This this Seahawks season has been um an adventure from beginning to end or up to this point. Um, I think the Seahawks, no matter what, are in a good position. Um, you know, winner win or lose, they they've already done more than what a lot of people expected. I expected them to be at least seven wins. Pete Carroll's not had a team that's lost. Uh, or that's not that's had less than seven wins. So I fully expected this team to be competitive. The question is, are they able to get over the hump beyond what I thought they would be able to? And I think this game will tell us a lot about about that, or about their ability to kind of push through. Can the rookies, you know, find their footing again? The rookie tackles can they hold up? Can they hold up against a monster in Nick Bosa? Um, can you get some consistent uh, pass rush from Daryl Taylor, who's a soft, you know, he's in his third year now. Um, can you get him to sort of compliment you tend to well too, so that you can really get some pressure? And I will say Bruce Irvin, an old friend, has been picked up. And he's, been, he's been helping quite a bit, but you're not in a good position when you're playing like, you know, 37-year-old Bruce Irvin, you know, starting him. That's not that's not great. <laughs> you really want to be able to use him as a rotational piece um, and kind of get pressure from your younger guys. L-O-B reloaded. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that he's the one guy they brought back. Like we got lose Bobby, Russ is gone, and then Bruce Irvin comes. Hey, whatever, back. whatever works. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, I just still, I'm still like reeling over the number two pick. I was like, oh, oh you're still- <laughs> come on, come on, Broncos, let's go. Seahawks fans, get some cool. wins, baby. We want a fun, fun fact. Play with some pride. <laughs> <laughs> fun fact. My husband is a Broncos fan, and so oh, no way. this marriage has been really interesting. <laughs> this yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah so much, so much uh, excitement on his end when the year starts. Well, it's just. I guess it really gets to test the saying "Happy wife, happy life," right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's definitely not happy husband in that situation. Oh, oh, poor guy. I mean, like they're they they are they're in trouble for many years to come with that. Yeah. I mean, all those players, all those picks, and then and then they handed the monster deal before he even ever plays a downer. Would you play one game? I don't know. It was no, he didn't play much. No. I know. That. Yeah, yeah didn't play at all because he didn't play a preseason game for them. Right. They, they did him anyway. They loved what they saw in that. Um, it was a scrimmage, I think, between the Cowboys. So that must have just been enough to wow them. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah, uh, I didn't think it would be that bad. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, I did think that Russ was declining in athleticism. I think you could see his mobility waning, and there was a question about if he was really going to be able to extend his career by being good at the pre-snap reads and, and really being able to read defenses better behind the line of scrimmage. Those were questions. But all those questions have um, snowballed into basically being a disaster for the Broncos. Um, unmitigated disaster. Unmitigated disaster for them. Yeah, I, I do hate it for Russ a little bit. I probably I'm a I'm a I, I stood stood by Russ through it all. Um, I cannot root for him this year. Obviously, we really need that draft pick. But yeah. but you know uh, maybe next year. Um, <laughs> once it doesn't matter <laughs> once it doesn't affect me next year I'll his own picks he's saving yeah. it's okay yeah it'll be fine that's, that's nice. Anderson or somebody it'll be it'll be great yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you know you said you expected Pete to get seven wins I, I didn't I, I thought it was going to be a, a tanking year for uh, you know for one of the top QBs but you know Gino surprised me I mean I think he surprised a lot of people so, you know, hats off to Gino. Good job. I mean, he's he's For played sure. really well. For sure. I was saying earlier this season, I would have taken Gino over Jimmy G. So, not that that's saying much. I don't know if you, you don't know me well enough to know that I'm not a big Jimmy G fan. <laughs> uh, I'm Team Lance. I'm cautiously optimistic about Brock Purdy. 
Um, you know, I, I think he's he's mobile and he, he's he's definitely bold. But you know, I've been around long enough to see a lot of QBs come in and flash, and then defensive coordinators figure him out. And uh, you know, what I will say about you know the Dolphins and the Bucks, the two teams that Brock Purdy has played. First of all, both games were at Levi's. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, you know the the Dolphins defense was uh, shorthanded. They were missing um, their uh, one of their safeties. They, they saw Javon Holland, who's their star safety, but they had a really good second safety who was missing. And then uh, Byron Jones, their second corner, who plays across from Xavier Howard, was out. And, you know, they're like a 20-ish pass defense even with those guys. Mm-hmm. So, like, not like a really good pass defense. And then, obviously, right. we already talked about the Bucks defense and all the guys they were missing. So, like, we haven't really seen Brock Purdy against a really good pass defense yet. Uh, and now we're going to see him not at Levi's and not with Debo and with a really hostile crowd in Seattle and against Pete Carroll. So there's some current concerns there for sure. Tariq Woolen scares me a little, just his speed I, and bring him up, yeah. ability to, you know, his ability to kind of play dead and then have all that recovery speed and, and length to affect a play, uh, even if it looks like he's maybe out of it. Yeah. Uh, and then let me just ch- shout out some people in the audience here. Raphael562 says, what's up, Ted, Candice, and everyone. Just talking to the audience. Raphael's really good about uh, supporting. There he goes. Yeah. I'm so terrible at asking people to like and subscribe. It's so important. And I always forget. And Raphael always reminds me. So thank, thank you, Raphael. Raphael. He is, he is uh, a master at that. He says they need to run the ball and stay disciplined. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I just, I don't think we're as good at running the ball as our reputation is, uh, is what I'll say. Our our, our new center, uh, Jake Brendel, is not a very good run blocker. Mike McGlinchey, who is known for his run blocking and is a, is a liability in pass blocking, hasn't been that great at run blocking uh, this season either. So, um, and then we got a couple of, of rookie, essentially rookies. Aaron Banks is a second year player who didn't play as a rookie. And uh, Spencer Burford was a, you know, a late fourth round pick, really great pickup, but you know, he's young and as our right guard. So left guard and right guard are both essentially rookies. One's an actual rookie. One's uh, a second year player who didn't play as a rookie. So um you guys have been interesting to see. play, at least from what I saw in the in the, in the highlights from before, that pitch play seems to be pretty lethal with you guys, though. I, I wonder if you guys don't take advantage of that. Um, we'll see, but I mean, a lot of times that's Debo running that pitch play, though, too, right? I mean, Debo's yeah. the best at it. Yeah, that's that's how we got our first TD against the Bucks. Was Debo on a pitch around the right side? I, we we've seen that quite a few times. I remember we saw it against the Bengals last year and quite a few other times too. I think against you guys in Seattle, I think Steve scored like that uh, in the game that you guys won due to the, uh, you know, essentially the fake punt was what it came down to in that game uh, last year. Oh man. Special teams always with you guys kill us. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's hope that's not the case this time. Um, and then Walker, Walker's playing. He's a problem. Yeah, I think Kenneth Walker is an issue. The guy's fast. He's big. He's strong. Uh, I mean, I like both of our young running backs, to be honest. I like Walker. I like Jordan Mason. It's just we don't see a lot of Mason uh, until, you know, the game's usually in hand. Kyle just doesn't trust rookies the same way that uh, Pete Carroll apparently does. And then who's going to cover Kittle? That's a good question. I mean, I would – I guess maybe Quandre Diggs. Uh, no, I think it's going to be more Jordan Brooks' responsibility, okay. which, which honestly is problematic. I'll, I'll be honest. With you. Jordan Brooks in coverage is not great, um, and it may bring in some Cody Barton. Uh, Cody Barton is—he's our other uh, inside linebacker. He scares me. <laughs> Ex-special teamer, right? He—he's been a core special teamer, but he's been. After Bobby's, you know, after Bobby's left, it's pretty much been Jordan Brooks and it's been um, Cody Barton. Now they have been running the nickel packages a lot more, so you don't see a lot of two two inside linebacker formations. But that's changes of late. I don't understand it because when they went on their run of, of about a month, where they were like the best defense in football, it was less of Cody Barton. Now it's been more of Cody Barton, and he's made some flash plays, but 
it's a, I think it's maybe an awareness thing that gets me with him. Um, he's much better at pass coverage, though, so I can see the Seahawks trying to, you know, kind of use the both of them in that regard to to make up for the weaknesses of Jordan Brooks in coverage. Uh, that that beat Barton to offset that. Uh, but he, you get them in space and try to block on them, they're just stonewalled. Like they, they no ability to shed a block. Neither neither Jordan Brooks nor Cody Barton. So I'd say that's a. Outside of the defensive line, that that's one of our bigger weaknesses, I think. Interesting. Yeah. So miss, missing Bobby Wagner a little bit then. Well, Bobby wasn't good in space either. No. Huh. And, and, and he's not, no. he's getting up there. He's, no, he's Bobby was frustrating just as much because I mean he he tackled sure, but like you know after they get like six yards, I mean what good? You know, I love Bobby. I love him. Love him. To, I love him, and I do miss him, but. Uh, for what they were going to have to pay him, $20 million. Yeah. I, I, I agree with the decision. I'd say that. There you go. Yeah. And then he said, is Seattle a good open tackle team? Terrible. Terrible. I wish I could say for my Seahawks audience that uh, they were good, but no, that's one of the weaknesses on this team. It's pretty been It's been pretty consistent. That's what scares me about, like, oh, you know, you guys get guys horizontal going, if you can get the pitch play going. That scares me. As a Seahawks fan, because tackling has been poor, even for Quandre Diggs, one of our, um, you know, he was all pro. I mean, not for all pro, he was pro bowl last year. Um, I thought he played an all, all pro caliber game uh, or season last year. He's not been as good at tackling this year. He's had some missed tackles. Um, Tariq Woolen, I think, is one of our better tacklers, which scares me. And let me say this Ryan Neal, who's been, um, He's basically subbed in for Jamal Adams. After Jamal Adams went down, Ryan Neal's pretty much been his replacement. He's also one of our best tacklers. Right now, he's on the injury report as well. So even though we, he wasn't one of the key guys that we talked about, um, his presence makes a big difference. Um, they've got Jonathan Abrams that they picked up who played a few snaps against the Panthers. Um, he's known to be a good tackler. If they give him more, uh, more opportunities, more snaps, then I think maybe that's less of a threat. But um, – Right now, given our linebackers and our front, uh, our front seven in general struggles to tackle. Yeah. When you mentioned Quandre Diggs, I, you know he's a hell of a free safety. I was very jealous when you guys got him for a fifth round pick from the Detroit Lions. But he, there was that viral video of him against the Bucks, where uh, I guess it was in Munich, where mm-hmm. he just got you know it was like yeah, one of the ultimate stiff arm. Uh, throwaway plays kind of reminding me of like what you see Derek Henry do to guys kind of type of thing. Yeah. yeah. That was tough to watch. <laughs> tough to watch. He got thrown down like a rag doll, but. Well, he's a hell of a player though. I'll give him his props. I mean, he's a good ball hockey. He gets a lot of interceptions. He's yeah. a good cover guy. I mean, he's, a, he's, a, he, he hurt us in that Seattle 2021 20, game. I think yeah. he got an interception and uh, he did an interception. I think he had a big PBU in the end zone too. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, big hit in the end zone, if I recall correctly. He says, Goodwin going to play. Alex and our player have been burning us. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Raphael, do you remember who it was besides Pettis that burned us? Um, I feel like there were two or three guys that uh, were ex-Niners that absolutely cooked Mm -hmm. us. But I remember Pettis got the big TD in the Bears game in the monsoon. And I want to say it was a Carolina Panther or an Atlanta Falcon. That was the other one, but I'm, I'm totally blanking on it. But uh, also, you know, I do need to be mindful of time. Uh, I do have a time constraint. I usually try to book these as openly as I can. But my original guest was booked for two, and we started at 2.30, so that kind of ate up our overage ability. Yeah. Um, but let's uh, let's take – oh, River Crickraft or Sherfield. Yeah, the, those guys against the Dolphins. But I feel like there was some people before them, too. Uh, Raphael, but anyway, uh, before the Dolphins game, um, but Candace, let's get your prediction for the game. Like, who do you think will win? Rough score if you want to do that too. If not, just who do you think will win the game? I'm gonna go, um, I'm gonna go 27 21. You guys win. Um, this is a tough one for us. I'll be honest, I'm a little, I'm afraid of, like I said, the open field tackling is poor. Our defensive line is is weak, and even when it has been bet, when it's been healthier, it's still been a you know inconsistent. I'll say, uh, depending on who's in, I, I can I'm a little worried about our ability to get pressure on Brock Purdy, and uh, I think Geno will be able to make some plays, but I 
I don't know if it'll be enough. And I don't know what level of health Ken Walker the third will be. He's normally been a fourth down, a fourth quarter running back. He's he's killed teams in the fourth quarter, but depending on his health level, do you get that from him after he's been, you know, worn down? I don't know. And um so unfortunately, I, I say we lose this one. I kind of like your prediction, 27-21. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I mean, maybe even closer. Yeah. I really – I don't think – you know, I I don't think we'll blow you guys out, and I I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't win, if I'm being honest. Um, But I do – I you know, if if I was, like, gun to my head, I would say, yeah, I think the Niners will win. And um, but in a tight, tight battle, uh, evenly pitched, and it might come down to a special teams play or a, a key penalty or a key turnover. So, uh, you know, it, I always say anything could happen in a close game, and I do think this will be a close game. So, uh, best of luck. Hopefully, you know, just the rest of the season, you know, and <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. Um, and Raphael says, can't count out Pete Carroll. Absolutely not. No. Pete's a hell of a coach. I, I don't like him, uh, but I do respect him. So uh, got to respect his accomplishments, um, both uh, at USC and with the with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Um, so yeah, so you know, uh, let me just fly your banner again here real quick. So uh, obviously we have got Candace here, uh, Seattle Seahawks expert. Uh, you can find her at, actually, if I just, there we go. So you can find her at, at Candace H901 and at Sports Ethos is her uh, podcast that she does. And, and regarding you, this. Cover, at Ethos Seahawks is one that you, where you actually see a lot of the Seahawks covered specifically. Sports Ethos is kind of the overall brand. Got it. So Ethos Seahawks yeah. and um, check her out. Listen to her podcast, support her, give her a follow. And, uh, you know, it was a real pleasure having you on. And uh, you're obviously welcome back anytime. Uh, maybe uh, if you want, we could even do like a reaction show. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, following the game. I don't know. We can, we can DM about it. We'll figure something out. Yeah. But if not, uh, never know. Maybe Seahawks will make the playoffs. Maybe we'll be doing a playoff uh, preview. Uh, oh, one of, that one would of these be days. chaos. Yeah. <laughs> It's not out of the question, so uh, it's definitely in play. All right, well, have a great rest of your day, a great week. Uh, I would say go Hawks, but it pains me too much. But uh, let's at least we'll at least just we'll at least wish for no you know serious injuries during the game and a good close competitive game. Right. It's fun to watch, entertaining. Yeah. So many of these Thursday night games are not, and so let's hope we get an entertaining game that's close with no injuries. Yes. and at least we can both root for all that. I think. Appreciate you having me on, Ted. My pleasure, Candace. Take care.